0: on Athlon Sports, I'm Joe Londrigan, good to talk to you all again on the last couple episodes, you heard from my uh, my good friend and frequent collaborator, Eric Henry of 247 Sports, Horns 247, uh, if you haven't listened to those yet, recommend you do so, Talked a little G5 football and uh, our top transfers coming into the G5 this season. Uh, as well as just uh, some expectations for week zero, that sort of thing. For this episode, it's uh, it's a little different. Eric's not going to be joining us today, but uh, he's absolutely going to be joining us again and very soon, and he's going to be joining us very frequently hereafter. Uh, but for this one, uh, I've got two things I think you're going to like. The first is an interview with Mr. Jason Groves, who has been covering the New Mexico State football program for the Las Cruces Sun News for several years now. And because, you know, New Mexico State are coming into Conference USA for the first time, they've been uh, in and out of conferences for the last several years. Um, but they're an intriguing group. Jerry Kill's done some fantastic things in the last year or so. That he's been the head coach of that program, got a big win in the Quick Lane Bowl. So just wanted to to pick Jason's brain a bit about that and uh, some other things happening within that program right now that um, should be pretty exciting. If um, if you haven't really followed them before, if you're maybe a Conference USA fan or a fan of another team in Conference USA. Um, little education session for you on the New Mexico state Aggies. Um, so here is my conversation with Jason Groves. Hope y'all like it. All right. Jason Groves of the Las Cruces Sun News. Welcome to the show, man. It's, it's, uh, it's great to finally connect.
1: Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for taking some time.
0: Yeah, of course. So New Mexico state. First year in conference USA. I think a lot of people have uh, some lifted expectations for Jerry Kill's team following that Quick Lane Bowl game. So let's start there and and kind of the the player who carried them through that game for the most part, Diego Pavia. What are your expectations for him this year?
1: Yeah. So if if you look back at the the first few games of last season, there was a clear like adjustment period from the junior college level, and then. I think it started he he brought the he came off the bench to beat UMass to come back they had a, a they were down in the second half and he came off the bench and pretty much after that he was the best player on the team and he kind of picked up right where he left off in spring practice and they do have um uh, a really good quarterback room, but I think Diego has proven that he gives them the best chance to win as they as they enter the season here. So you seem pretty
0: confident that Pavia will be QB one uh at the conclusion of fall camp in a couple of weeks here.
1: I do. Yeah. yeah. I, I the 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 success that they had, I mean, you know, as you know, bowl games are pretty rare at New Mexico State and he literally carried them to a bowl game offensively. And um he won he, he won the bowl game for them as well, I would say, offensively. So I have a hard time thinking that offensive coordinator Tim Beck and, and Jerry Kill will, you know Bench him to start the season, even though they have some interesting guys behind him. You mentioned uh,
0: Pavia's performance in spring ball. What was the biggest positive for the team from the spring
1: practice session, in your opinion? So, spring, what I was looking for was just, like I said, like a continuation from Diego, just to show that there wouldn't be any drop off. Which he looked, he looked, he looked like I said, he looked like he picked up where he left off. Um, their best position group on offense I think is their running back room and they have four guys. And and I like all all four of those guys um, played well. And then their offensive line really needed to develop or at least get starting five, which I think they've done. Um, Defensively, they, they have, uh, I think uh, they only have like one real starter back, but the talent level has been upgraded across the board. So, that's the big question mark during the fall camp for me is on the defensive side of the ball, where they were really good last year. And I think they have the potential to be better, but they don't have as much
0: experience. So, as New Mexico State joins a conference here, it really wasn't that long since the school split with. Uh, The Sun Belt uh, might feel like an eternity for maybe the kids that are just getting into college. But um, what's been the most significant change in the program since then for people that maybe haven't been paying attention to New Mexico State football in those
1: years? You know, like you said, as an independent, some like Liberty can make it work. Um, Obviously, the BYUs and Notre Dames of the world can make it work. It's really difficult for an extended period of time for a school like New Mexico State to be an independent. And you saw that in the win loss record because you know right off the top you're playing three power five money games, so those are three losses that you might may or may not suffer injuries. Scheduling was always um, a challenge. (laughs) They're still trying to kind of get out of their get out of some of the games down the road because they had done a good job scheduling games, you know, through I believe 2028. So now they're trying to get out of those games or you know kick them down the road or something. and then you know i think coach martin the pre- previous coach did a good job recruiting but i think uh i think jerry kill his staff has just proven that maybe a step up and i don't know if that has to do with doing, being in a conference or not but um it certainly certainly hasn't it certainly has helped i think
0: so, you know, New Mexico State, they open the season with UMass on August 26. I think most people feel pretty confident that uh, they can get a victory against a, a UMass program that's been struggling quite a bit. Um, but what's your take on that matchup in just a few short weeks here?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, I was talking to Jerry Kill yesterday and he had a lot of respect for Coach Brown. And um, but like watching the game last year, there were two games against FBS teams last year where I thought that the Aggies were just more talented and I can't remember too many times I ever being able to say that. One was Hawaii and the other was UMass so I'm sure Don Brown's team will be improved but I think that the Aggies just have more talent and they ran for like I think over 400 yards last year against them and they're better up front, better with the running back room so I, I think that uh, I think they'll be able to move the ball on the ground and, and get a win on opening opening day there. We've talked a bit about Pavia and how he's been the most significant offensive contributor
0: for the team. Uh, who do you see as the most significant defensive contributor in 2023?
1: That's uh, that's kind of my big question mark. I, I think the defensive line is the best group. Um, they added a player uh, from the transfer portal, Dion Wilson. He is a he started games in the interior line at Arizona. Um, they have a, a good rotation of uh, some younger players. The, the player I'm interested to see is, well, two middle linebackers. Uh, Keyshawn Elliott is a true so- He's a sophomore who played last year, and they're really excited about him. And then they have a Penn State transfer to play next to him, um, Jamari Budin, who I, th- I think those two guys, if they can kind of approach the production of seniors, Trevor Brohart and Chris Ojo last from last year's team, I think that they should be fine defensively. One guy on that side of the ball
0: that's kind of caught my interest through all the uh, transfer portal news is uh, Miles Rouser, the cornerback from uh, Campbell, was an FCS All-American last year, uh, was a real good high school prospect coming out of Michigan. But what are your expectations for him as the new guy?
1: Uh, All the things that you said, I expect him to play. Um, I don't – right now as we're sitting here, I don't know what – they have a nickel spot, and they have the obviously the two safety spots, and that's what I've been told. He could play either any of those. He's extremely like versatile, from my understanding. Um, he isn't he isn't able to work out right now, from my understanding. He's uh, working through some some transfer stuff still. So hopefully we'll see him in fall camp. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him. He looks the part like physically, but I've been told um, the nickel our strong safety that's that's where I expect them to play and I expect them to be on the field sooner rather than later makes sense so
0: for those that don't know Las Cruces New Mexico and El Paso Texas are just under an hour in terms of distance from each other Uh, but that's a rivalry that goes back years and years and now they're finally in the same conference Uh, what do you think will be the effects on you know New Mexico State athletics of being in the same conference as UTEP moving forward
1: so, you know, being in a conference, I don't, I don't know if people understand, like, I was talking about money games earlier. That was really the only revenue from football generated at Mexico State. Now, you know, people, outs- people that follow Conference USA, you know, they kind of rip on the TV deal, but NMSU never had a TV deal. <laughs> so it's better there. Um, they got the bare minimum from college football playoff payouts for APR. So that's like 400 grand. It's going to be probably, you know, close to a million, you know, with the, with the nine teams shared. So, you know, from a revenue standpoint, um, that's huge just for NMSU. For the UTEP NMSU rivalry, I think I was talking to someone, this is like the second time the game has been on uh, ES- the ESPN networks. So that's a big deal. It's a midweek game, so some people don't know about the attendance, but, you know, they're always close games. Um, Dana Dimmel's done a good job at UTEP, and, um, you know, if if both teams are doing well at that point in the season, I think that people will go to the games. That's just how these two fan bases are.
0: Looking ahead to September 9th, New Mexico State make that trek, Um, I believe they're Wait they're hosting Liberty or are they going to Liberty this year they go to Liberty so they're heading back to Lynchburg uh gonna get a rematch of that improbable win from last year that really kind of helped carry that momentum into the bowl game and it's also their first game as uh, their first conference game I should say as a member of conference USA with Liberty joining the league this year as well
1: um do you see a repeat of that result this year? Uh, I think it's going to be t- – like, can they beat them? I sure. think that uh, they proved that they could. And I think Liberty has – I was looking at their – you know, they have a new coach. Um, I think they're trying to figure out the quarterback position again. Um, but, you know, t- they're very, you know, capable of kind of recruiting. I think they lost a lot of defensive pieces too. I, I'm not going to say that it's going to be a blowout like it was last time, but I think it will be a close game. I'll just kind of – that's. I think it's – and, and – also about that game, I, uh, I think it's NMSU's third game, and it's Liberty's second game of the season, so I don't know. Maybe they can catch maybe they can catch Liberty while they're still trying to figure stuff out early in the season.
0: Never say never for sure. Uh, Jason, when folks come to Las Cruces um, for a game this year, many of the Conference USA fans are going to be doing so for the first time. What's something they've got to do or something they've got to eat when they come to town?
1: Yeah, so my favorite restaurant is uh Andale, it's a Mexican restaurant, you know, like Tex Mex, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um Mesilla is a like a smaller like kind of shopping town, so it's cool to walk around there. I would say that. Just check out Mesilla and eat, a, eat a Andale eat on if you like Tex Mex.
0: Fantastic. Uh, for those that are curious, you can follow Jason Groves on Twitter at JP Groves. Uh, you can also see his work at Cruces Sun News, support local journalism. And uh, Jason, anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to let people know about while you're here? No, I think that's it, man. I appreciate appreciate it again. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. All right, we'll talk to you soon, Jason. Once again, Thank you to Jason for coming on and sharing his expertise on that program. Switching gears a little bit for this next segment, I'm going to talk some Mac football, actually. Specifically, the Buffalo Bowl program. Um, One of the, I think, more intriguing pieces of that team is kicker Alex McNulty. And I, I think he's fascinating for a few reasons. I mean, on top of being... The Mac Special Teams Player of the Year in 2022, um, and he's he set quite a few records as far as kicking goes for Buffalo. He's just a really smart kid. He's been an academic All Mac selection four times. He is a double major in physics and biology for pre veterinary science. And on top of all that, he's also on the track team. He competes as a javelin thrower. So I was really excited to talk with him. I wrote an article about just basically this conversation that came out uh, a few weeks ago, but thought it would be nice to put out the audio here. I'm going to be honest, news moves fast in college football. So we had some other stuff planned, (laughs) but... uh, if you follow the news at all, there's been quite a few shufflings in the whole conference realignment business. So, <laughs> so we called an audible, and uh, you know what? It's it's a kind of a happy accident that we have this segment today. But I really appreciate Alex for letting me pick his brain and for letting us use uh, this segment. Uh, for letting us use this, this audio for this segment today. So um, yeah, check out this conversation with uh, university of Buffalo kicker, Alex McNulty. Hi, is this Alex?
2: Yes, hello, how's it going?
0: Good, good. This is uh, Joe Laundre from Athlon Sports. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well, how are you?
0: Good, good. I appreciate you taking the time and hope you're having a great summer.
2: Yeah, of course, thank you.
0: Yeah, no worries. Um, so, it won't take up too much of your time, but, you know, did, did kind of want to start with um, a few of the questions I'm assuming you've gotten quite a bit. Um, playing on the football team, on the uh, track and field squad as well, and on top of that, uh, double major in physics and biology, right? Yes. That's uh, that's quite a workload, so I guess, you know, how did you get to this point?
2: Uh, the biggest thing was just good time management. It was similar in high school. Like, high school, I took a ton of APs. There was times where I was on two or three sports team, sport teams in a single season, mm-hmm. and I just kind of stuck with it. Once I got to college, I've always been good at keeping a good schedule and staying strict to it.
0: So that was, I mean, not to sound, you know, lazy, which I am, but that was something you wanted to do? Uh,
2: You cut out there for a second.
0: I'm sorry. Um, I said, so that was something you wanted Uh, to do? I just,
2: I I, like when I was looking at schools, I was looking for schools that would allow me to do all of those things because a lot of schools were kind of like, well, I don't know about track or I don't know about a double major or doing physics and stuff like that because the class schedule can be a little more demanding, but uh, UB, uh, was up to let me do that. And I thought it'd be fun.
0: So you're from Caledonia, not, uh, not too far. Was staying home a priority for you?
2: Uh, not as much. Um, I was happy to stay close to home. can see my parents, they can come up to games and stuff like that. Um, but when I was looking for schools, that wasn't really something that was in the back of my head. Uh, just worked out well. Um, plus my kicking coach, uh, Adam Tanowski's front, like he does all, most of his out of Buffalo. So that was a nice thing to have as well.
0: Um, that's uh, that's certainly good to be close to, you know, that kind of coaching and that kind of family support. Um, so last season, Max special teams player of the year. I don't need to read you back all your accomplishments, but, you know, I guess how did you kind of elevate yourself to, uh, to that point? Because significant improvement from, you know, 2020 and 2021 to 2022 for you.
2: Yeah, I'd say some of the big things were um, preparation in practice and like off the field stuff like with other, uh, other years, like I was kicking four or five days a week going into every game and I would just be tired on game day, whereas this last season I would only kick twice a week on Wednesdays and Fridays and then Tuesday would be like a stretch, Monday would be like the lower body lift and like a little bike uh, workout just to like shake off the legs. And then Thursday would be more of like a rest and recovery day. Um, so kind of keeping that schedule where, when I got to game days, I felt a lot more fresh and then a couple of like minor form tweaks, which we're always working on as kickers. And then another big thing was my sideline preparation on game day of just not over kicking, being smarter with the reps that I'm taking and when I'm taking them and just just keeping a, a very level head and staying relaxed on the sideline the whole game.
0: Has there been any difference in the way that you've trained this spring and summer as opposed to the previous years?
2: Um, nothing crazy, but one thing that I started focusing on is with lifting and stuff, like I don't need to be putting up max numbers and stuff like that, but focusing more on speed and range of motion rather than the actual amount of weight that's on some of the movements helping with, one, staying fresher, but two, being more mobile, uh, having strength through like a larger range of motion, and just staying healthier.
0: And uh, you, I'm assuming that's that's paid off. You're, you're feeling, you know, looser, feeling a little healthier.
2: Yeah, I feel better. When I get to game days, like my body feels more prepared to make the kick. So that's one less thing that my mind has to think about when I go out onto the field. When I would, used to go out on the field, I'd feel t- be tired or sore and that's an extra thing you have to think about when you're kicking and it's been helpful to not have that.
0: So when you came to UB, you weren't you know the starting kicker right away. I guess you know what, what was kind of your thought process in terms of you know knowing you had to kind of work your way into the lineup, had to take that red shirt year and I guess how have things changed in your mental preparation between then and now?
2: Yeah, I actually, I, I was happy that I was going to a place where I was going to get to spend a year learning from an older kicker um, in Mitch, where I couldn't kind of learn someone that started for a while because he was the starting kicker for, that was his fourth season as the starter and kind of learning from him, like what he's done, did well, what he, he didn't do well, what he learned from and using that to kind of mature that year and grow. Cause I only played for two years in high school, so I didn't have a ton of experience and I didn't kick that many field goals in high school. Um, so just using that year to learn a little bit more about football and kicking and then just continue to build on that each year and mature throughout the years as I continued kicking.
0: So in the time that you have been a college football player, do you feel like the perception of specialists has, uh, changed at all or
2: i mean you still if you ask kids and stuff like that oh what position like kids will come up to you when we do things and they'll be like oh what position you play you, you say kicker you get some funny remarks and stuff like that but as far as like on social media and stuff and in the nfl i feel like kickers are starting to get more and more respect um and people are starting to put more value in kickers at least with coaches and players and stuff like that. Uh, Some of the public is still still against kickers here and there, but uh, ignore those guys.
0: Well, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think I was more thinking of, you know, you look at obviously your athletic background and you're a very versatile athlete in your own right, and then you look at guys like uh, Jack Browning out at uh, San Diego State who does, you know, kicking, punting, you know, whatever else. So I guess, do you feel like you're kind of part of this, you know, movement of a, like just specialists, I guess, being uh, held in high regard as more traditional athletes by maybe, I don't know, football old heads for lack of a better term.
2: Yeah. I think in like the last 10 or 20 years, like it's been shifting towards that where it's become more and more specialized. There's more of these camps and as kickers get better, it takes better and better athletes to be a good kicker because um, you still have to have elite strength and power to be able to make it as a division one kicker. Just in general, even if you're not starting, you still have to be able to hit the ball 55, 60 yards to really get a realistic chance on the roster. So I think it's been leaning that way slower as, as things get more specialized. It takes more and more athleticism to make it in these positions.
0: So what do you think is your ultimate aspiration right now, whether it's athletic or otherwise?
2: I mean, my goal is to take this last season, put up another good year, uh, continue to improve, and then take it to the next level in the NFL, hopefully, um, and give it a shot there and continue to play sports. It's always been my passion. Mm -hmm. And if for some reason that doesn't work, then I've uh, always enjoyed physics and just being able to solve problems and stuff like that. So, uh, it's a nice backup plan to have.
0: So was your thought as a kid, like, I want to be, you know, a, uh, a rocket scientist or, or something along those lines or.
2: As a kid, actually, I was always between, um, sports and it wasn't football. It was, I was thinking hockey and, and soccer back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and as well as, uh, I always had like a, a like the reason I did biology as a major was I was thinking vet school potentially, hmm. um, once I finished it undergrad. But I ended up leaning more towards physics um, through my time in school.
0: I see. Okay. Now that that makes sense. Um. So you know my in laws and and all that side of my family are from the Buffalo area actually, and they wanted me to ask you, uh, where's your go to wings? Where's your go to beef on weck?
2: Wings. Um, I'm a big bar bill okay. guy. It's the lines are kind of crazy to, to get tables and stuff, but if you can get in there when it's not too busy, those are really good. And then Beef on Weck. Um, I've only gone a couple places for Beef on Weck, but I really like Audubon uh, North on Sweet Home. Yeah. It's always a really good place to go. They also have really good chicken fingers there. <laughs>
0: That's uh that's a good one. I've been there once or twice. So, you know, obviously you guys are going into uh you know, a tough uh tough schedule this year in the Mac. Miami's good, Toledo obviously looking to to run it back on, on the conference title there. Um I guess just your kind of general thoughts on on the conference with uh fall camp coming up.
2: I think the, the Mac conference is always a toss up. You go in uh off, off the off season and you anyone could take it really. There's always a couple teams that stand out and a couple teams that are lagging behind. But once you get into Maction, anyone can beat anyone. And it's always a close conference in the end, even though a lot of times people think there's going to be a blowout winner. But there's always two or three teams that are kind of in there until the end. So I think we've been putting in good work and we got a good shot to to make a run for the MAC championship. We just got to keep taking it day by day and improve as a team.
0: Last question for you. Your Twitter handle is Quality Reptile. What on earth does that mean?
2: (laughs) So, yes, that that stemmed with the the animal um, love that I had as a kid and especially with reptiles. And I actually had a bunch of leopard geckos, which I bred when I was in high school. So I had 40-some leopard geckos in my bedroom and a bunch of insects to feed them. Um, So when I started Twitter, it was... uh, posting about some of the leopard geckos that i had and stuff like that so i went with quality reptile
0: <laughs> i should have asked that question first because now i have a, a bunch of other questions and <laughs> none of them none of them are football related so i'll uh... love <laughs> well alex thank you so much for your time I'll, I'll let you get back to your day hope you have a great uh rest your weekend okay
2: yeah thanks a lot joe all have right have a good one you too bye, sure, bye.
0: Like Alex said, that Mac uh, title race, going to be fascinating. I know we picked Toledo to win it all with the media poll, but I mean, I, I am still not convinced that if uh, Curtis Rourke of Ohio doesn't go down with that leg injury late in the 2022 season, uh, that the Bobcats would not have claimed the title there adding to that trophy case. But I mean, looking at this year, Ohio's got another good team. Buffalo's got some some pieces other than McNulty in that backfield in particular. But that's going to be entertaining as ever. But that's going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of G5 Football Daily. Um, I encourage you all to follow us on Instagram and TikTok for clips from the show and other little updates, that sort of thing. We're only a few weeks away from the season, and even in the rest of August here, guys, we have a lot more fun things planned. On the next episode, on Tuesday the 15th, I told you Eric Henry was coming back. He's on the next episode. We preview Hawaii and what to expect there from year two of the Timmy Chang era. If we do have any listeners in Hawaii already, hello, aloha, and of course, hope you're staying safe with the uh, wildfire situation out there at the moment. Um, Other episodes that we're going to have, we're going to preview the Liberty Flames in their first year in FBS with head coach Jimmy Chadwell. Uh, We're going to have a guest for that, Uh, still TBD on who that is, but we're figuring that out. And of course, we're going to talk about the Mountain West expansion madness that is currently going down. Um, I mentioned conference realignment somewhere in there, but it's not over yet, folks. We got some crazy stuff coming, I think. And then, yeah, we'll have some more stuff as week zero comes and goes and we get ready for the first full weekend of college football of the 2023 season can't wait can't wait if you can't tell my throat hurts a little more otherwise my Bart Scott impression would be better but um anyway I'll simply say thank you all so much keep checking out stuff on Athlon Sports the G5 football coverage there and uh we'll keep you posted on more updates for this podcast happy football watching everybody